0: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Now, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to look at um, Psalm 91. And I know for you guys, many of you, you're very familiar with Psalm 91. You've been reading Psalm 91 a lot in recent times in particular. Um, I want to just read the first two verses of Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And then in verse 10, it says, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Now, many people today are not just concerned about what's happening with COVID-19, they have moved into a place of paranoia, um, anxiety, great fear. And, and I understand that. Um, I'm just going to mute this because of the background noise. Sorry, guys. I understand that, that people are concerned. I, I understand that we should be concerned. But here's the other thing that we need to understand, that God has not given us well, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So, We need to recognize that even though we should be concerned, there's a difference. There's a fine line between being concerned about something and actually crossing that into a place of fear. And fear often causes us to either run ahead of God's will or it paralyzes us so that we lag behind God's will. And so... Um, there's a big difference, right? So fear either causes us to panic or it paralyzes us. And we, we need to understand that obviously isn't a healthy thing. Concern. Um, we should be concerned. We should be concerned about what's happening in the world. We should care about people. We should care about what's happening to the point that it will motivate us um, to do something. Like Jesus was moved with compassion. So... We, we are motivated by concern or compassion of what's happening. Um, I just saw on CNN two days ago, it actually said that there was, there's an article, and this is on my website, by the way, at awakenations.org. There's an article there that they actually said that Italian doctors, doctors in Italy, are not convinced that the lockdown in their country is actually working. They're not convinced it's working and they have no plan B. So, obviously, that is something to be concerned about. But here's what I want to say. Let's look at the Scripture tonight. Let's look at what the Word of God actually says about the truth of who Jesus is and what the Lord would want us to do. How would He want us to respond during uh, this time, this time of crisis, okay? First uh, thing I want to mention is Revelation is what is to be the motivation of our life. Not by looking at uh, things in the natural, what is manifesting on the earth, but revelation is actually supposed to be what motivates you and me. Now, when you look at things in the world, you can respond to that in the natural. You can respond to that through your, your senses. But ultimately, God wants us to... Respond in the spirit. He wants us to respond according to his word Two major truths we've got to remember the first truth is that jesus possesses all authority in heaven and on earth Jesus possesses all authority remember matthew 28 18. He said all authority in heaven and on earth is mine and then he said go therefore and make disciples of the nation so And then secondly, he's delegated his authority to his church. That's to you and me. And he's promised us both power and protection. If you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Some other translations say, nothing will harm you. So Satan does not want you to walk in the revelation of this truth, that we can walk, uh, we, we have authority over all the power of the enemy, we can walk among snakes and, and serpents, uh, dangerous things, we can crush them, and nothing will injure us. So in this time of mass viral infection, I want us to look at this, this part of this verse here that says, nothing will harm you or nothing will injure you. So the word injure in the original New Testament language, it's a very interesting term. It actually carries the idea of violating a law. So violating or breaking a law. The idea is that nothing will cause us uh, to, to see that the law is broken. So in other words, for the enemy to encroach upon us, what that actually means for the enemy to encroach upon us, what that means is that he has to get he he has to um, trespass, so to speak, and and God has promised us protection. He's promised us. There's so many scriptures where He talks about being a hedge around His people, you know, being a wall around His people, protecting His people. And we've just read Psalm 91 in particular, where He talks about that. Um, but here's what I want to emphasize tonight and and here's the balance really um, we need to be, we need to have faith we need to believe for healing miracles uh, we need to believe for supernatural divine protection as well as power in fact the word shalom when the Bible talks about um, the Shalom of God you know when the Lord bless you the Lord keep you the Lord causes his face to shine upon you and and his countenance, uh, brings you peace. That word peace, shalom, talks not only about uh, peace in our emotions, in our mind, but protection, wholeness, um, you know, a completion in our lives so that nothing is, has been um, stolen from us, taken from us, nothing's missing, nothing is uh, out of sorts, so to speak. That's the idea of shalom. So God promises that to us but we have to understand that there is a qualification here. There is a condition that's attached to this, and I think, by and large, a lot of times what is happening in the church is we are very flippant when it comes to walking in that place of um, submission to God. You know, in other words, we we're quick to quote the promises of God's word. But oftentimes, um, I'm not saying this for every one of us in any way, but oftentimes our life circumstances contradict what we're saying and what we read in the Word of God. So why is that? You know, For example, if God wants us to be healthy, why is it that we struggle? Well, there's things in the natural that we do, obviously, that can cause us to be sick, um, that can affect our, our health. Uh, so, so it goes beyond that, right? It goes just beyond quoting the scripture, right? If you do things that abuse your body, and you do that for too long, then ultimately you're going to get sick. We know that. Perhaps we, you know, we've been there. Um, but what happens is we have to realize that God has a plan and a promise. Yes, power to protect his people, but we have to come into that place of submission. So when you look at Psalm 91, he talks about how he will keep his people, he will protect his people. and But to whom is he speaking? To those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Now, the word that is translated dwell In the Hebrew language means to remain, to settle, or to make one's abode. In fact, the word dwell. Remember when God spoke to Elijah when he was told him, Elijah, go hide yourself at the brook. And it says, I think it's in 1 Kings 17, verse 6, that Elijah went and he dwelt there. He dwelt at this brook. It's the same Hebrew word. And the idea is he unpacked <laughs> He he set up camp. He, he was like, okay, I'm gonna be here for a long time uh, This isn't gonna be for a night or two. This is gonna be for a long time You know for some of us, maybe that's the reality where we're at right now, you know, how long is this? Uh, COVID-19 thing gonna continue. I don't know but you know the the truth is guys we might be in this place where we're not having church for a long time, it might be weeks, a few more weeks, but it might be a few months. We don't know. But ultimately, uh, the, the fact is that we have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High during this time. In other words, we it's not just something we're passing through like, well, I'll stay over, you know. But it's more about habitation, not visitation, in other words. So that's the important thing. He who dwells. So he who makes his abode, he who lives... He who uh, makes his habitation in the secret place of the Most High God. Now, the word secret place is a very interesting term. It it means a hiding place. It means a quiet place. But it also speaks of um, a place where we get alone, we isolate ourselves, and we're just in, in a place of... Um, you know, refuge or or sanctuary is is another way to put it. And the idea here is, it's a very interesting term because not only does it mean the secret place, it is translated hiding place, it's translated secret place in Hebrew, but it can also be translated the place of the secret message, the place of the secret message. In fact, the same root word, I believe it's in the book of Judges, chapter 3, um, it it actually says there that I, one of the judges came and approached this particular um, man named Ehud, and it says, when Ehud reached the, I'm sorry, Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back, he came to Eglon, and this is what he said, I have a secret message for you, and then, of course, he ended up killing the man. But that word, that term there, That verbiage, secret message, has to do with secret place. It's the same idea. So the idea is when we go into the secret place, that's where we receive the secret message from God. That's where God communicates to us. That's where God speaks to us. He gives us counsel. He gives us wisdom. He shows us what he wants to do. That's exactly what happened to Elijah, right? He he told him to hide. He did, and then after a while, Uh, When the brook dried up, the word of the Lord came to him again, spoke to him. But I really believe during that whole time that he was hiding in the brook Cherith, there was something very profound happening. There was deep communion with God. There was intimate fellowship with the Father that was happening during that time. And right now, for many of us, um, we have... Some some people are, are probably busier than they've ever been, especially those who are on the front lines but some people maybe many people things have slowed down and i really believe for god's people regardless of whether we have uh, you know been living a busy life or or now things have slowed down or it's busy regardless we still have to be intentional about taking that time to really live in the secret place with him and that involves prayer and that involves study that involves getting closer to God but it really has to do with communion and that communion with God fellowship with God doesn't just happen when we're praying and it's a 24 7 thing and it's all about just getting closer to him going deeper with the Lord allowing him to speak to us um, the idea is is allowing him to counsel us to even correct us that's all part of what's going on so the word Secrets of the Lord. Remember that? The Bible says in Amos 3, 7, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants. So it's in that secret place that he shows us the secrets of the Lord. It's a profound place of, of fellowship and communion with God. And it says that he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The word abide literally means rest. you'll find rest you'll find rest under the shadow of the almighty and then he says i will say of the lord he is my refuge my fortress my god in him i will trust so verse two really explains it all he's saying you know god is my shelter he's my refuge he's my fortress in him will i trust that's what it's all about learning how to get closer to him to draw closer to him and go deeper in worship deeper in prayer deeper in communion and so This whole idea about um, the word, nothing shall harm you, nothing shall violate the law, means that the enemy is held at bay. The enemy is not able to attack us when we're fully submitted to God. And and I know that's contrary to what a a lot of people say. And I'm not saying that he doesn't try. But there comes a point where we live in peace. You know, the Bible says he makes wars to cease. The Bible says that in, in Proverbs 16, verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies be at peace with him. So there comes a point where things have to rest. There, we enter into rest, where we begin to see the promises of God come to pass. The enemy is no longer harassing and haranguing us. And the word salvation, I've said this many times for those of you who've listened to um listen to me, minister, um, the word salvation in the New Testament, soteria, one of the way, ways it can be translated means to be free from the harassment of an enemy, freedom from the harassment of an enemy. And you can look at Luke chapter 1, verses 74 and 75 to to support that. So God brings us into a place because we're submitted to him. Here's the idea. I I sent out the email and I talked about the difference between a kingdom citizen and a kingdom subject. Excuse me. So a citizen, you know, you can be born in a country, you're a citizen. Um, You can live somewhere naturalize, you become a citizen. But subject is always tied to theocracy or monarchy. There's a big difference. Now, when you are a person who's, who is uh, wanting to exercise dominion, you're wanting to live out your, your destiny, you want to walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, just like the Bible promises, right? When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion over everything, right? Jesus gave us all power and all authority, So if we want to live in that place where we experience both the power and the protection of the Lord in our lives, then honestly, we have to be in a place where we're submitted to God as well. The word kingdom, you know, when when Jesus told us to pray, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, that particular part of that prayer means that we are acknowledging his absolute authority. He is the king of kings. He is the ruler. He has all power. He has all authority and, and dominion. And in order for us to experience that authority, that power, we have to actually move into a place where we're submitted to God. Because only those who are under authority have authority. We know the, the, the story um, Jesus it's highlighted about the man, the centurion, who had a servant that was very sick, and he sent elders of the Jews to approach Jesus, to ask Jesus to um, just speak the word. And, you know, what ended up happening is he they said to him, this man, the centurion, says, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. So the whole point is, I understand that if I want to have authority, I need to be a man who is under authority. And I really believe what he was saying to Jesus is, I recognize the authority that you walk in because you are completely submitted to your Father. So Jesus was in a place of complete surrender to his Father. Remember in John 11 how he was standing outside Lazarus' tomb and and everyone was weeping and, and, and travailing and, and wailing and, and he ended up saying, Um, you know, roll away the stone, and before he called Lazarus out, he did pray this prayer, and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I thank you that you always hear me. And for the sake of those who are here, I, I prayed. In other words, I wouldn't even have prayed, but it was just because people are here. I wanted them to know that. So he calls forth Lazarus' name. Lazarus comes out, and it's an amazing miracle. But Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I thank you that you always hear me. Even before he said, Lazarus, come forth. While Lazarus was still dead, he was thanking his father that he had already heard him, and he was always heard. What confidence that he had. Elsewhere, Jesus talked about how he always did those things that pleased his father. Like in John eight twenty nine. He who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. That's amazing, you know, that the, the Bible actually says that, teaches that. But here, here's the deal. When we look at him, at Christ, we know that he showed us, he, he, he displayed, he modeled for us what it means to be completely submitted to his Father, to live in deep communion with the Father, and to always do those things that please the Father, and then to minister, to live and to minister out of a place of rest. You know, Jesus said that the enemy the enemy is coming against me, but he has nothing in me. You know, he, he said, Look, I'm not afraid of the enemy, I'm not concerned. He has nothing in me, he has no authority over me, in other words. So this wall, so to speak, this divine protection was in Jesus' life. And no one could hurt him. No one could harm him. Uh, Jesus touched lepers. Guys, do you know how contagious leprosy was? I mean, that's like a lot more dangerous than laying hands on someone who's affected with COVID nineteen. Jesus did that. You know, in the in the Old Testament, if a leper came close to you or touched you, of course you were um, you were infected. You were you were defiled, so to speak. But in the New Testament, Jesus actually went out of his way and he touched lepers. That's, that's amazing. And he never got sick. He never was hurt. You know, the, the, He was so submitted to his father that the enemy couldn't do anything. There was a time in Nazareth where they wanted to throw him off the cliff and it just says he walked through their midst. and it's Because no one could touch him. It's like he was divinely protected. And I really believe that that principle is is valid for us today that we can see the divine protection of god and when we dwell when that when we remain settled make our abode in the secret place in the place of intimacy with god in the place where we're communing with the father and he's speaking with us and we're receiving direction from him and we abide we rest the word abide means we rest under the shadow of the Almighty. We're protected by him. We're, you know, like the ch- the chicks that are gathered to, to the hen under its wing. And we're divinely protected. So, this is what it's all about. And the enemy cannot violate the law. In other words, God's law says my people are protected, my people are shielded when they dwell in the secret place, when they take their refuge in me, when they are submitted to me, when they are yielded to me, when they are under and submitted to my dominion and my authority, they have dominion and they have authority, in other words. So it's a very powerful thing. So we enter rest when we abide in the secret place. Interestingly, I just want to look at King Jehoshaphat for a moment. King Jehoshaphat was... Um, a man whom the Bible said his ways pleased the Lord. And it, it actually says, if you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 17, I believe it's verses 3 through 6 and then perhaps verse number 10, it says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. The Lord was with him because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He didn't consult the Baals, the idols. He sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. Then listen to this. The Lord established the kingdom in his hand or under his control. The Lord established the kingdom. And it says that all Judah brought gifts to him. He had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles, the idols. And then listen to this. It says, the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah so that they did not go to war with Jehoshaphat. They would not go to war with Jehoshaphat. The fear of the Lord fell on them. They were afraid to attack him. They wouldn't. And as I said, when Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 10, nothing will injure you, nothing will harm you, That word means to violate a law. And so in other words, the law is I protect my people. The law is you have power over the enemy. You have protection from the enemy. Nothing will harm you, but we have to be submitted to God in all our ways. And I'm not just talking about living in in flagrant sin. Obviously, that's an issue, but I'm talking about Pleasing God, having a heart that pleases God, doing the things that please God, even when no one sees us. Most importantly, when no one sees us, that's when the truth of of our heart is really known, is what we do when no one sees us. Only the Lord sees us. So there's this rest, there's this supernatural protection and power. It's like a shield that comes over us. So again, I want you to understand, when the Bible talks about dwelling in the secret place one of the the ideas there is to make our covering so so it literally is covering is what it means in the hebrew so the idea is like we are not covid we're covered so we are covered by god we are protected by god so that nothing can harm us we have to keep that in mind so i mentioned earlier that the the idea of being a subject in God's kingdom. Now, I had a conversation with a great man of God several years ago. Um, it's not important for me to to say his name, but this great man of God um, has written many books about the kingdom, and he talks about kingdom citizens in his writings. And certainly, there are kingdom citizens. But I personally feel that citizenship is more of a, a term that is used in a, in a republic or in a democratic culture. Subjects have to do with kingdom. In a kingdom, yeah, we're citizens, but we are subjects first and foremost. And a subject, I looked this up in the dictionary, in Merriam-Webster dictionary, says a subject is one who lives in the territory of, enjoys the protection of, and owes allegiance to a sovereign power or state. So again, see those three aspects. One who lives in the territory, one who enjoys the protection. Come on now. We live in God's kingdom and we enjoy his protection. Isn't that awesome? And then thirdly, here's, here's our part. Here's our responsibility. We owe allegiance to the king of kings. We owe allegiance. We pledge our allegiance, so to speak, to the kingdom of God. So we have to recognize this. I just broke this down. I said, look, so a a subject is one who lives in the territory. When the territory of the kingdom, when we're born again, we move into the territory of the kingdom. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, Jesus and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So the father, the father's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So we have, we're in the kingdom. We came out of darkness, we live in light. Now, we enjoy the benefits or the protection of the kingdom. That's a promise of God. When you come into my kingdom, when you live in my kingdom, you will enjoy, you will experience the benefits and the protection from living in my kingdom. That's part of a covenant. When you really study that, so God promises us, you know, I'll bless you. You'll you'll be protected. You you can walk in wholeness. You can walk in health, and so on and so forth. And the third. Uh, characteristic of a person who is a subject is they owe allegiance to the king or the kingdom in which they live. So they owe allegiance. It's very very interesting. They owe allegiance. Now, what does that mean? Okay, so you're you're born, and you know, let's just say you move from one country to another, and while you are in this new country. You have to begin to learn the culture of that country. You have to begin to learn, um, you know, the, the laws, the, the, the protocol, and, and all of the things that are new about that particular uh, nation that you live in. So I've lived in different countries, and my family has, and, you know, there are things that we have to learn. Even certain words, how we talk, we had to communicate a little differently. At Kroger, fresh groceries are our thing, so we check your delivery order for freshness at every step from farm to store and pick and pack every veggie in your free pickup order with care, because we treat your food the way we'd want ours to be treated. We're fresh every day, so shop anyway. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save one dollar each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone part of understanding culture, understanding, you know, how to operate under the state that you're now living in. So it, it has to do with that. And Jesus told his disciples, in fact, his apostles, to go into all the world and make disciples. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, it was the apostles that he sent out to preach the gospel to the nations. Now, the word apostle was originally used before Jesus' day to speak of someone who would be sent out from the Roman emperor to do two things, to represent and to cultivate the culture of the Roman empire within a newly conquered territory. So when the Romans would go in and they would conquer a territory, they would send someone in who was like an apostle and he had a team, he had educators, philosophers, he had builders, he had uh, different people that would go with him to try to teach these new people the culture and the means of, of living in under the Roman Empire. So an apostle was one that would be looked to to help reshape culture and to bring people in alignment with the values and the practices of the conquering kingdom. All right, So When our allegiance is fully given to the king of kings, when we are submitted to the culture of God's kingdom, then we can enjoy complete protection or all the benefits of the kingdom. When we're submitted to the empire, so to speak, when we're submitted to the kingdom, then we can experience the benefits of the kingdom, protection, and all of the provision, the power that is available to us. I want to just touch on a couple other things here just before we we take a little bit of time and we pray. Um, The first thing that I want to mention is when Israel was in Egypt, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. When Israel was in Egypt, you know, they were slaves. They were poor. They were beaten, they were subjugated, they were sick, I'm sure. There was a lot of things uh, that came upon them. I'm speculating, I guess, about the sickness part. But what ended up happening is they certainly, they were slaves. Is God said, okay, the time has come, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take you into Canaan. I'm going to give you this land flowing with milk and honey. Um, So Moses approaches Pharaoh, and you know the story the 10 plagues. But when Moses approached Pharaoh, he demanded, God says, let my people go. You know, when Moses did that, I think there are three times it's recorded, I believe, that he did that. He never said, let God's people go so that I can take them into the promised land. He said, let them go, God says, so that they can worship me or hold a feast in the wilderness. They can worship me in the wilderness or they can hold a feast in the wilderness. There's two different uh, words he used or in, 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 in the Hebrew language. So the idea was, let me take God's people out into the wilderness so they can sacrifice to God, they can worship God in the wilderness. And Pharaoh might have thought, okay, and bring them back, right? But um, the point is, God was wanting his people to understand that they needed to go into the wilderness to learn to worship God. If you look at other translations, you'll see some translations like the King James say that they may serve me in the wilderness. Well, the words that is translated serve or worship, depending on which rendering of the Bible you have, um, actually speaks about how when you worship God, you're actually serving him, you're working for him, um, you're you're doing it, and and the idea is more like you as a servant, as a bond servant, are serving God. You're pledging yourself to serve Him, almost like a slave. That's the idea of the word. So in a sense, um, God was saying, you know, you've been slaves in Egypt, but I want you to be a slave to Me. And Paul taught this, and some people don't like this, but Paul taught. In, in the New Testament that we are bond slaves of Christ. The Greek word is doulos and it means like a household servant. And the idea is we were bought at a price, we're not our own, we belong to the Lord. That's what he taught in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 19 and 20 in particular. So we don't belong to ourselves. Our lives are not our own. When we were the blood of Jesus purchased us, and it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, that God delivered us from a lifestyle of corruption and bondage in order that we can spend the rest of the days of our lives not doing the will, not, not living for the pleasures or the lusts of man, but living for the will of God. Wow. Did you hear that? First Peter 4, verse 2. God delivered us from all the bondage, all the corruption, all the evil ways that we used to live in the decadence. So that we would no longer live for the lusts of our flesh, the lusts of men, but we would live to do the will of the Father. So we're servants. So the idea is this, if we serve God, it's not just giving him lip service, it's not just going to church on Sunday. We can't even go to church here in Canada at all. Even our small groups are shut down because the government does not want us even meeting. They're just telling us to stay in our house basically right now because of COVID-19, and it's crazy, but you know what? We're doing things, obviously, online. We're gathering people where we can talk to people. Wow, we, we don't even hardly talk to people anymore, like we text people, right? <laughs> but that's about it. And the the truth is that during this time, you know, we're, we're learning how to serve God afresh. We're learning how to surrender to Him again. We're learning how to make Him our our refuge we're learning how to make him the pleasure the desire of our life and and God isn't boring there's there's fullness of joy in his presence and and his right hand pleasures evermore so we're, we're learning how to serve him afresh so the promise to those who learn how to serve him who completely surrender to him completely sold out to his will but not out of a sense of obligation or duty but out of love, out of passion, I love you, Lord, because you died for me and you paid the price and you forgave me and you set me free. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I want to work. I want to do things. I want to preach the gospel. I want to tell other people about Christ. I want to use my gifts. I want to give up my money. I want to, you know, do whatever you called me to do. I want to cling to you. I want to pray. I want to commune with you. I want to spend time in your presence, Father. And I want to just love on you, Jesus. I want to learn how to commune with you. And, and so the idea is, in that place, when God took Israel out of Egypt, then he took them into the wilderness. We know it wasn't 40, 40 years was not his original plan. That was not his intention by any means. But ultimately, you know, God said, when, when they're about to cross over the River Jordan after the 40 years in Deuteronomy 8, he said... I want you to look back. I want you to remember the past 40 years, how I led you all these years in the wilderness. And, and that's what it literally means in the Hebrew. The NIV says, remember how the Lord led you. And, and the idea is not just what he did, but even the, the, the journey itself. Remember the journey that God took you on because there was a purpose for the journey. And ultimately he says, and I did all this to test you, to teach you, to um, you know, prove you. He said, to show you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that departs or that proceeds from the mouth of God. That was the whole point, was I want you to, to learn how to hear my voice. I want you to learn how to respond to my commands. So the idea, you know, I, I love these two verses in Exodus. Um the first one is found in Exodus 23, verse 25. This is the NIV. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. So God says, I'll take away sickness from among you. I'll heal you, you know. And then listen to this. Isn't that a powerful word? For today, I'll take sickness away from among you. Learn how to worship me. Learn how to be a bond servant. Learn how to fall in love with me and just do my will. And and then later on in Exodus uh, 15 or earlier on, in Exodus 15, verse 26, he says this. If you listen carefully, listen to this, listen to this. If you listen carefully, number one, to the Lord your God, listen carefully to the Lord your God. Listen. And do what is right in his eyes. So you've got to listen. He who has an ear, let him hear. And then you do what is right in his eyes. And if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I'm Yahweh Rapha. I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who will protect you. I'm the Lord who will take away sickness and disease from your midst. Now, I haven't shared this publicly, and and there might be some people that are, are skeptical with what I'm about to share, and that's okay. Um, I know I'm telling the truth. But I remember about five years ago, I had, during a, a time of prayer, I had more like, it wasn't really a dream, it was more like a vision. And it was just a quick picture. And what I saw was, I saw like this street and all of these houses that were pretty much like rows of houses and the street was quiet there was no one out in the street it was dead silent and I could see inside homes and I saw every you know few homes maybe every I don't know how many but every few homes there were people gathered and they were praying and, and they were really praying. They were really seeking after God. I mean, they were going deep with the Lord. Surrendered to God, hearts yielded to God, prayer, intercession, worship, repentance, really going deep with the Lord. And I could tell that it wasn't like a large group of people. This is the thing that was interesting. It wasn't like 15 or 20 people gathered in a house, you know, people from church maybe in a small group or a life group or something. This was just a few people. And perhaps these were family members. I don't know. But they were praying. And then all of a sudden, I just heard it's over. And there was this great peace. There was this great calm. And it was just like things had died down and they were at peace. I, at that time, which was about five years ago, I didn't what is that about? Because I didn't see any fighting on the streets. It wasn't like there was any anarchy or or so on on the streets, but it was just very, very quiet. And I wouldn't have never thought about it. But just the other day, I thought, man, this might be, the Lord showed me that a few years ago about what's happening now. I mean, I've just been walking, driving around our area. The streets are quiet. People are inside. You know, you... I'm sure that's what it's like in most major cities uh, in the world right now. It's very, very quiet. And then it was like this thing came to an end and, and restored, uh, basically went back to normal. But the point I want to emphasize here is that people were really seeking God. They were praying. They were crying out to God. And again, it wasn't like it was everyone it was like it was like a small remnant of people that were really seeking God. And because of their prayers and their intercession and their deep consecration to the Lord, God answered their prayers. And whatever this thing is, I saw in this dream, it was like it, the storm had passed and things would resume to normality. And I really believe that this is the key, guys, for the times that we live in. Not only do we need protection... God, we need power. We need power to be able to pray and and see this come to an end. We need um, God to intervene and heal the land, you know. We need to seek His face. We need to call out to Him again. And I believe if we do, if we really consecrate ourselves, if we really, you know, surrender our hearts to Him and and go deeper with Him in prayer and worship and intimacy, I believe all of us can go deeper with him um you know if there's things that we're doing we shouldn't be doing let's repent let's put god first in our life let's really honor him let's get a passion for him again and obviously we don't need to go to church to worship god um we're learning this some of us that our primary relationship is on our knees it's in the it's in the prayer closet it's It's alone with God. We are just supposed to minister and worship collectively when we gather together corporately, which is great. We need it. I love it. You know, Hebrews says that we should do that in Hebrews 10.25. But ultimately, that should be an overflow of a life that is yielded to God, of a a heart that is uh, on fire for God, and and we're, we're filled up, we're topped up with His goodness, with His glory. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We've got to have, all of us, we need to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that. And then God wants to speak to us. He wants to bring us to a place where we hear His voice, where we're led by His Spirit, where we know what He's saying to us in this season, like Jesus did, and that we have confidence that we're shielded, that we're protected. The enemy cannot approach such a person. The enemy is held back by god's divine protection by the law of god that says you cannot touch my people devil you cannot touch my consecrated son or daughter that is yielded to me and as i said we've already referred to these uh, examples in chronicles in the life of jehoshaphat and so on i believe that this is a day in which we live that god wants to do something powerful through his church Instead of us just being in isolation because of COVID, God wants us to be in activation because we're covered. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. And we can still minister to people. We can still share the gospel wherever we go. And what an opportune time right now. You know, this is not the time nor the hour for us to shrink back. It's the hour for the church to shine, for us to do what God has called us to do. And I want to pray for you guys. If there's anyone in particular that you maybe you're you're dealing with something, um, you're struggling, maybe you're sick, or you know someone that's sick, we're going to pray. And then I want to just encourage you, if you missed this video from the beginning, to go back and listen to it. We're talking about God's promise to protect his people during the plague, during the virus, you know, during a pandemic. God wants to protect his people and give us power. And uh, looked at some scriptures, quite a few scriptures tonight. Um, one thing I want to share with you guys before we go into prayer is I've been speaking, some of you may be aware, some, some maybe not, that we have relationships with ministries in many different places in the world, but particularly right now in Southeast Asia, we have connections and uh, we have quite a few churches that we've helped start there and pastors that we have relationship with and, and so on. And right now in the Philippines in particular, um, they have locked down everything. The military is in the streets. In fact, our son um who's 23 years old, he is in Manila, Philippines right now. And he's basically, he can go out but they need a pass and they're only allowed to go out, um, I think it's two days a week. And the military is on the streets, they check to see if you have the pass um, to be able to go out to go to a grocery store or whatever. And so it's, it's a very trying and difficult time. But there's some um, people that we know, some leaders in the churches, and even some pastors, to be honest, that right now, guys, they don't have food um, because they're not working. And many, some of them, the, many of the people in their church are not working, and so there's no money coming in. And some of the people, even that we personally know, we helped someone out last night. Um, they haven't eaten in three days because there's a couple of things. Number one, they're not working now. And in the Philippines, let me just give you an idea, and this is like many countries in the world, do you know that 40% of the population of the world makes less than $2 a day? 40% of the population of the world. I'm sorry, $4 a day. 40% of the population of the world makes less than $4 a day. In the Philippines, many people, they work jobs, and so let's just say you worked at a McDonald's in the Philippines. If you work in a McDonald's, okay, in Canada, the USA, Australia, the UK, or wherever, America, um, you know, you get your pay for a day, and you can easily buy a meal and feed yourself, right? And you'll have money left over, obviously. Not in the Philippines. You basically work a full day, maybe 10 hours, and you make enough money to buy yourself maybe one meal at McDonald's. That's it. So things are very different. There's quite a disparity there, socioeconomically. So we got people there that are not eating right now. I'm telling you the truth. also, public transportation is shut down, so they can't, for those who live more in the rural areas, which we have some friends and pastors that live outside of there, some of the leaders in our churches, young men, young ladies in their early 20s, I'm telling you, um, they've not been eating, their family's not been eating. And so what we're wanting to do through our ministry of Wake Nations is help these guys. And so I'm asking you tonight if you would consider doing that. Would you consider giving a love offering to help them? Our church in Vancouver, HarvestCityChurch.com, we have put that out to our church. We're live streaming uh, tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. You can watch, by the way, if you're interested. It's HarvestCityChurch.com, HarvestCityChurch.com. Um, I put it out to our church to help as well. I've mentioned it to some of our friends. But if you're interested in giving a gift of any amount, we'll send it over so they can buy rice, they can buy food to help them during this time. Just go to our website, Awakenations.org. Awakenations.org. You can click on Donate, and you can give. You can market for the Philippines, and we'll make sure that money goes to those guys. If you live in Australia or Uh, Canada, you would prefer to um, just contact me. You can email admin at awakenations.org, and that'll go to us, and we can show you how you can give in the United States. I'm sorry, in Canada or in uh, Australia as well. But the the PayPal thing on our website works for everybody, okay? So thank you for um, considering that. It's uh, heartbreaking. It really is. that people are are really suffering, and check it out, guys. Like, I mean, Google it, verify it. I'm telling you the truth. It's it's terrible what's going on right now. So, okay, um, let's pray, and let me minister to you guys. I want to pray for you during this time, and um, I, I'm not sure if yeah. We'll, we'll just let me just take a few moments, and we're going to pray about some of the stuff tonight. Thank you so much for joining in, okay? Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. You love us so much. You love all people. You love the Muslims. You love the Hindus. You love the Buddhists. You love the atheists. You love the Catholics and the Christians. And, and um, Father, all the other people in the world, you, you love people everywhere. And we thank you that this gospel is for all people. We thank you, Lord, that you want everyone to come to know you. Jesus, you never started a religion. You you just offered eternal life. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with you, following you, knowing you, experiencing eternal life. Which Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. So, Father, that people would know you. I pray for those who are watching this on Facebook, on uh, Zoom. Lord, I just pray right now for people that need a touch from you, Lord. As we press into you, as we go deeper with you, even in this season, Father, this this time that is is so demanding and, and so difficult, we pray for protection. We pray, Lord, for provision there are people, Lord, that are going without even in this nation, in Canada, in the USA and other western nations. I pray you would meet their needs. I pray for those in other parts of the world, in Africa and Asia and Lord, other places in the world, Father, in uh, South America North America, Lord, in, Asia, in Australia and in Europe. I just declare, Father, in Jesus' name, the islands of the sea. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your compassion. And I declare in Jesus' name that your church would arise and shine. Arise and shine. The Bible says, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord has risen upon you and his glory shall be, cover you, shall appear upon you. And, and Lord, I thank you for that, for the truth that we can arise and shine and we can manifest your goodness and your glory in this day and age. Thank you so much, Father. Help us, Lord, as we seek you, as we press into you, as we worship you, Lord. Help us, Father, as we share your truth, as we love one another during these difficult times, as we reach out to our brothers and sisters in these hard times, Father. Help us to be your voice of encouragement. Help us to be your hands that heal, Lord. Help us to be your words that comfort. Help us. Give us grace as we seek you or to do what you've called us to do we thank you so much father we give you all the honor i speak healing i speak provision and power and protection over your people right now father i thank you i thank you jesus i thank you jesus thank you this is different but this what i see i see like someone this is like a young man who i saw him in a room and it was like he was talking to one of his parents, maybe both of his parents, and then he walked out of this room and uh, parents were concerned, they're upset. But I feel like the Lord is saying that don't you worry, I'm gonna draw this person, I'm gonna draw this I believe I don't know if it's a man, a young man or not, but I'm gonna draw this one to my side. I'm gonna bring them back. And it's almost like they're coming home early. It's almost like that's what I'm seeing. Well, I didn't think that would happen. They They came home early, and um, God is just saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work in their heart. Just don't worry. Rest. You just press into me. You just make me your refuge. You you learn how to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I'm going to do what you cannot do, what you've not been able to do. I'm going to work in the hearts and lives of others. I'm going to do miracles. I'm going to draw sons and daughters back to me. And it'll be my work as you rest as you do my will as you worship me and trust me you'll see that i'm going to do what you are not capable of doing we thank you for that lord jesus said unless the father who sent me draws you no man can come and so we thank you lord for that truth we declare that lord we thank you for salvation in our households, we thank you for provision, clarity for direction. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for um, unsaved spouses coming to you. Lord, I thank you for provision. I thank you for setting the lonely in families. And Lord, ultimately, for causing your church to be victorious in these dark and evil days, Lord. And we come against this COVID-19 virus in Jesus' name. We just negate your power in the name of Jesus. We speak that your lifespan would be shortened. We declare in Jesus' name that you have no authority to continue doing this. We cancel your power. We we negate your effect in Jesus' name. And we speak that this would be short-term. We speak in Jesus' name that things would go back to normal quickly. But, Father, we know more importantly is the work that you're doing in our hearts in these times. Father, we don't want to become bitter or or just stay the same. We want to become more in love with you, more enthralled with you, and draw closer to you, and become more like Jesus through these difficult. Trials that we're going through, Father. We thank you for your protection and your provision. Let this be a time of great harvest, Lord, great harvest, Father, that many people would come into your kingdom in these dark days, Lord. So we thank you for your power. We pray for signs and wonders and miracles to resume again, for a resurgent of the supernatural, of the real power of God, Lord. Of prayers being answered and supernatural phenomena in the name of jesus from the kingdom of heaven from heaven to earth we thank you lord we give you all the glory we give you all the honor we declare it holy spirit move in our hearts move in our lives in jesus holy name amen 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 thank you father amen um one more thing i just want to mention Our school of ministry, which is college.awakenations.org, college.awakenations.org. We've got some free courses on there. In fact, one of our courses right now on the kingdom, we just um, made that available free of charge for people because we know right now there's a lot of people with extra time on their hands, and why not study the word? So, guys, um, feel free to check that out and register for courses. That We have some that you pay for, but they are very affordable. And you just go on, you watch the videos, you study the notes. There's some activation things as well as you can do. So that's college.awakenations.org. Our regular website, awakenations.org. we got a lot of teaching resources on there, our podcast. We're on Spotify, on Google, on Apple, a lot of different stuff.